When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Was future twin you Darvish tipping his pitches in Game 7 last night? We'll get into that. We'll get into the Wolves, Vikings, lots to get to. Doogie, Joe Schmidt. We start now. Mackie and Judd. We get things rolling with the opening bell. Want to ring the bell? Here comes the 3-2. And George drills this one. Deep to left center failed. You can kiss that one goodbye. A two-run home run for George Springer, and the Astros lead it five to nothing. Springer homers for the fourth straight day. Astros lead five to one. Pitch on the way. Round ball right side into the shift to his left. Altuve has it in short right. Throws to first, and the Astros are 2017 World Series champions. It's a tradition unlike any other. Mackie and Judd taking some time off during the bye week. So we are in from the 5 Eyewitness News Sports Department, Darren Doogie Wolfson, Joe Schmidt. We both watched Game 7 last night. So much for drama, Joe. You know, it's interesting because everybody was saying this was the best World Series since 1991. And it kind of just ended up with a rather, not a very dramatic game. But it was, I hate to say this, this was Astros baseball. (laughs) <laughs> right? This is Astros baseball. They they went to small ball in this game. They didn't hit all those home runs. And the Astros put the ball in play. That's how they win. How about the unpredictable nature of baseball? George Springer in the ALCS against the Yankees hit like 115, somewhere in that range. How good was he, though? I mean, he did hit the long ball last night. What is it now? Or what was it? I guess he finished with, what, four consecutive games yeah. in the World Series. I mean, the biggest stage possible. George Springer former Twins draft pick out of high school. They had no chance to sign him, but they did like him out of high school. They liked him out of college. They didn't have a chance to draft him that year in 2011. But you think about it. I mean, he did nothing in the ALCS. He comes through game after game in the World Series. Yeah, well, that's that's baseball, and that's that's really what happens to, to most winning teams. They have that different hero every night kind of mentality. But, but boy, did he step up. And, and, you know, it's interesting because... When you look at the Twins, we everybody's going to compare the Twins to the Astros. But the one thing the Astros Oof. really... I mean, just, just kind of look at how they're building. You know, the, the Astros are an analytical team, right? They use the stats as much as any team in baseball. Mm-hmm. The Astros draft athletes. That's what they do. Springer's an athlete. What is he? 6'3", 225 pounds, and he can run like a deer. You know, so he's an athlete. They figure they can make an athlete into a better baseball player. And and he stepped up on the big stage last night. I yeah, uh, you know, I just kind of like the way they built the team. And it's it's sometimes you got to go to the bottom to get to the top. They made some very smart draft choices like Springer, 
like Altuve, like uh, Correa. I mean, they they that's what how they built the team. I mean, not that Byron Buxton couldn't help them, but remember, they were ripped pretty good for going with Correa over Byron Buxton. I think most smart, most astute baseball people for the next five years, maybe the next two years, wouldn't you take Correa? Maybe the tougher position to find a superstar? Maybe that's open for debate. I mean, certainly Buxton's ceiling is incredibly high, but you're right. I mean, they drafted really well. I guess the comparison with the Twins would be this, right? In what, 2011, 2012, 2013, weren't the Astros losing? 95-plus games, 100 games? They, they lost over 100 games, I think, three years in a row. All right, so there you yeah. go. Then so. all of a sudden in 2014, they turn it around. So that would be the hope, right? That would be the comparison. The Twins losing all those games in 2016 by 2018, 2019. The Twins are in a comparable position. Well, let me just also say this. You know, the one thing the Astros did is they knew this was their chance, so they went out and got Verlander, right? They got their horse. And that's the that's the other part of it. You could build within, but when the time's right, you got to be willing to give up some assets to bring in that horse. And that's exactly what what they did. And and obviously, it was a fantastic move. I mean, that went right up until the deadline there in late August. Right, minutes to go. Verlander trying to decide with the no trade clause: should I go? Should I stay a Tiger? He decides with like a minute to go. They didn't go Browns on the trade. They submitted everything to the league office. It went through. How good was Verlander? How about some talking points from last night? You Darvish, was he tipping his pitches? There's no way he is this bad. Eduardo Perez, I can't remember if it was SportsCenter last night or ESPN Radio. He was breaking it down that it was pretty obvious when Darvish was throwing his slider. He threw a lot of sliders last night, but then when he was going to the fastball. Was you Darvish potentially tipping his pitches last night? Well, he certainly didn't have his best stuff. No, and and you know you. It's interesting after you go you go a seven game series and and you know you look at game two and game five and now game seven and people are going to remember the decisions made by the manager in game seven rather than some of the decisions made in games two and games five, which really probably had a bigger say as to how the series went than deciding to keep you Darvish on the mound. For example, that's that's one of the second... I, I can guarantee in Los Angeles tonight they're saying, why didn't he take Darvish out when he knew Darvish had anything with George Springer coming to the plate? I think you're right. I mean, yeah, why let you Darvish face Springer a second time after he had the double to lead off the game? Why let him get to 10 batters? I still say, what were the Dodgers last night with runners in scoring position? One for 12, one for 13? They were 0 for 9 at one point, so... I mean, that's not on Dave Roberts? No. They had ample opportunities. They had base runner after base runner, not late in the game, but those first five, six innings, they had ample opportunities. They did not come through. I can't blame Dave Roberts. You know, it's baseball. When you look at the whole analytics picture, Houston put the ball in play more than any team in baseball this year. And they also had pitchers who could get swings and misses. So, so you start looking at, you know, how these guys are using the numbers and so forth. Those two numbers alone, I think, say a lot about how good a team is. Correct. Also, I mean, another one is just having pitchers who throw at 96, 97 miles per hour. But that's Do where you, you get have the enough horses? And yeah. And that's, that's where it translates to the swings and misses. So, yeah, if you're looking at the Twins, they need more of that. They have some guys in the minors, the birdies of the world. The Chaguas of the world. Heck, Trevor May, who will be back next year. I think he's in the starting rotation. He can throw it 95-ish. 
You need some of those guys. The other second guess, I can guarantee you in Los Angeles this morning, all day, all night, Clayton Kershaw. It's the ultimate second guess, right? right? If he was able to go four innings, did it make some sense for him to start the game? It, it certainly did. You know, Ricey had a pretty good article today, you know, talking about the Twins winning in 87 and 91 and how they relied on their horses. You got a horse in Kershaw. He doesn't have to pitch again until spring training. Throw him out there. He's the best at baseball. I mean, if he was able to go on two days rest, he clearly was. But then again, it's you, Darvish. Wow, you was true. really good. I get it. He wasn't good earlier in the series. But you, Darvish, is about to sign, I was joking, a little tongue-in-cheek, future twin you, Darvish. I'm sure they make the phone call, though. You, Darvish, is about the best starting pitcher available. Free agency starts in, what, five days? I will bet you, Joe, someone will give him five years, $100 million? Six years, $110 million? Oh, He is I, going to get paid. I, I'm wondering if he lost a little money last night, though. Oof. I mean, that's you, can you base it on one game? No. I don't think so. That is such a good lineup. And yeah. if he was tipping pitches, if you feel like you have a pitching coach that can solve that riddle, now, what was the Dodgers pitching coach doing along the way? If it's true, I mean, I'm telling yeah. you, Eduardo Perez, who would know. Right. Heck, Carlos Beltran, go find the interview. I don't remember if it was on FS1, if it was on just Fox Conventional. Beltran last night pretty much said, in a roundabout way, you Darvish was tipping his pitches. Wow. So if you figure you can solve that, there's a lot of talent there. But but how how does a guy have so much success in the majors and then all of a sudden in game seven, somebody figures out how he's tipping pitches? I mean, that's what I'd like to know. Well, I mean, it came up in the regular season. They played a series against the Marlins. It had come up. This is not the first time it's come up. Now, this stage, I get it. But I just, I don't think he's that bad. Maybe I'm delusional. Maybe I'm nuts. Maybe I'm not giving the Astros enough credit. I get it. The best offense in baseball throughout the year. So they were capable of doing what they did. But I just think you, Darvish, is that good that it just doesn't add up to me. And so you're saying, you have it on record right now, you're saying the <laughs> Twins are going to sign you, Darvish, for five years, $100 million. No I th- chance. I bet yeah. he gets, no I, chance. You know, Somebody will. I don't think it'll be the Twins. You know, when you sign a pitcher to a five-year contract, somehow you have to explain to your fans you're hoping to get three good years out of him. Correct. Because you know he's going to get hurt, break down, or not be as effective for for two of those years. And that's why teams like the Twins really can't sign a pitcher to a five-year, $100 million contract because they don't have enough fudge room to to absorb a $20 million loss in one season. I mean, you're almost better off going three years at more money on a per-year basis. Three years... 85? 75? Yeah, whatever it is. Yeah. Go $25 million a year on a short-term deal versus investing five or six years. Yeah, I mean, there are, just, there are so many examples. The Jordan Zimmermans. CeCe Sabathia was better this year. You could argue going back a couple of years. I mean, these pitchers who get these $120 million deals, there are so many examples, right, where guys just fail. Maybe not Verlander. There are examples on the other side. Scherzer. But so many guys get the big money, and they don't live up to those contracts. And and let me let me tell you something that if, if you're an athlete, I mean, how hard would it be to turn down five years, one hundred million? Maybe maybe you got a three year offer for seventy. Uh, you're thinking that's an extra thirty million dollars, but you're going to have thirty million dollars worth of pain when you break down, and the fans all of a sudden turn on you and hate you. The same fans who loved you and you know came out to see you. The pitch and play, just as Joe Mauer. You know, people can turn awfully quickly, awfully quick if it's uh, if uh, things go to hell in a handbasket. 
You brought up a point about was this the best World Series since 1991? We will revisit that topic because there's been a number of good World Series. Yeah, the Cubs series was great. Sure. I mean, go back any number of years, 2014, 2011, 2001. So we can go back. We'll get back to that topic. But let's get to talking point number two here in the opening bell. Each one more isolation. Got him out of position. And he's going to the line looking for the three-point play. What a shot by Jimmy Button. That'll break your heart. Overall, the rebounding in the defense, uh, I thought that that's, that's what allowed us to get the win. And uh, we had a lot of guys uh, play great down the stretch. They did. One of those guys wasn't Carl Anthony Towns. Maybe no. it says a lot about the Wolves. That he doesn't score until, what, four minutes left in the game, give or take a handful of seconds. Carl Anthony Towns did nothing last night, did not bring it on the defensive end either. He does nothing, yet the Wolves win. Yeah, and and that tells you the the power of Jimmy Butler, I think, right? He's good. Yeah, just, you know, they're, what are they, 5-1 and one now with Butler in the yeah, lineup? Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, in that shot he hit with about 30 seconds left to get the guy to commit to jumping in the air. He jumps into him, gets the fall, and makes the basket. The Wolves have never had anybody that could do that. Never, ever, ever. <laughs> it was so savvy. I mean, Sam Cassell could do it back in the day. But, yeah, I mean, it's been yeah, so long. Okay. Yeah, I mean, we can't remember. It's been so long since they were, well, at least had this sort of potential. I mean, we're going back 13 years. But, yeah, now 5-1 and one in clutch or close games. I guess the Spurs loss opening night counts as a clutch or close loss. But you think about all the close wins, whether it was Monday Against Miami last night. Heck, against Utah here. That Friday night game, the home opener, the Wolves were discombobulated. Yeah, They were sloppy for a good portion of that game, yet they found a way to win. It takes time. Look at the Cavs right now. Right, They have a bunch of new players. I firmly believe it takes time. Let's see where these guys are at at 20 or 25 games, yep. not seven or eight games. So the fact they're winning, and I don't think they're playing good defense. No. Offensively, they've been fine. I mean, they're a top five, top six offensive team right now, but the defense isn't there. But to me, let's give it some time. So the fact you're winning games when there's some warts, that's encouraging. Yeah, they would have lost three of those four last year, maybe all four of those games last year, the close ones so far this season. I will tell you one thing. uh, The city of New Orleans uh, must have a lot of baseball fans. Did you see the stands? There was nobody in the stands. No, I didn't. It was like, no. oh, my God. It was I was a, flipping it, and had the kids. I, no, yeah, I didn't pay yeah, much attention. Yeah, but, I've got five TVs in front of my yeah, desk. I don't but, think many people show up to begin with. Outside of Saints games, that's not a good sports town. No, no. But, and I get it. There's other things to do. But I don't think the Pelicans register very much down there. They should. I mean, they have a couple superstars with Boogie Cousins and Anthony Davis. And I also think Drew Holiday is really good, even though he's overpaid. Let me ask you this, they Mr. They don't register, though. Mr. NBA. Do you think that Carl Anthony Towns was a little intimidated by Anthony Davis? I do. I thought so, too. Yeah, maybe it's the Kentucky thing. Yeah, I mean, Boogie Cousins, too, for that matter. Yeah, I mean, those guys were making him work, and they were abusing him Where did the on the offensive end, him on defense. Where did the Boogie come from? When did that come up? I don't know. DeMarcus Cousins goes back years with the Boogie Cousins. I don't okay. know if it came up at Kentucky or going back to high school. All right. But, yeah, I mean, maybe it's the Kentucky connection, all three of those guys. You know, former Kentucky Wildcats. Yeah. But, yeah, I do think they got into his head. You know, he's only 21, right? I mean, yeah. you know, we seem to think at times, Wiggins, Towns, that these guys are, are super mature. I mean, they're still maturing as individuals. But, yeah, last night, absolutely. I think those two guys got into the head of Carl Anthony Towns. And, and they have to mature at an incredible rate because they've got money, they've got pressure, they've got fame, they've got all these things where if you and I were 21, we would have been – 
in, in trouble. <laughs> I mean, us, I was still finger painting when I was 21. No, but when you, when you really sit there and think about it, you know, when you were 21. I had no chance to I would, win I would, I would not have any chance. I would have been, you know, and with social media on top of it. Correct. Where, where, where you can't hide. Every mm-hmm. minute of your... These guys have to literally live as if every minute of their life is being recorded. Almost. Yeah, it's like the Truman Show. I mean, TMZ's got a camera everywhere, right? You yeah. can't go out. You have no chance to go out. Yeah. Right? I mean, I guess you can to a degree, but you have to watch what you're doing at all times. You're right. These guys are constantly being recorded. I still love the future. I do. Yeah, I do too. I do too. And I I, I will say this. Uh, I like the Jimmy Butler move from the very beginning. I'm really liking it now because I know what Tibbs loves about this guy. Because, I mean, just what he did last night, I think that he is putting some positive peer pressure on the team to play some defense, to to act as professionals, to prepare as professionals, and that's going to have an impact down the line. How about the bench last night? 45 points for the bench. When's the last time the Wolves had a competent bench? Yeah, it's been well, a long time. Yeah, Gorgie played more than he had in a while, and he was effective. Yeah, he was and, making shots last night. Bialica. And, and Bialica, who I know that uh, Tibbs thinks is going to make the next step up this year, uh, he looked his best this year, so if they get that bench help, then he can actually rest some of the players so they're not burned out by January. I want Bielitsa to play more. It's 914-1500 ESPN Broadcasting from the TCL Broadcast Studios. It's the Mackey and Judd Show. Those guys are on vacation. It's Darren Doogie Wolfson. It's Joe Schmidt from the 5 Eyewitness News Sports Department. When we come back, he's in studio every Thursday morning. He is Star Tribune columnist Chip Scoggins. We'll talk Gophers football. He was in Iowa City. He saw that great tradition after the first quarter, so we can get to that. He wrote a great column about that. We'll get to the Gophers losing a quarterback recruit. The kid gave them a verbal commitment. We thought this kid, Brennan Armstrong, would come in, maybe even start next year as a true freshman. He has now reopened his recruiting. Let's be frank. Brennan Armstrong will not be a Gopher. So we'll get into that when we come back. It's the Mackey and Judd Show on 1500 ESPN. Mackey and Judd are back. They're ready to go. It's a relief. It's like, okay, let's go. On 1500 ESPN. I thought we ran the ball really well. Uh, when we had to get back in the pass game, I think that, you know, again, we did some things that we hadn't done before in terms of creative, uh, created some uh, of Demery's strengths to get out of the pocket and do some other things like that, but um, we didn't execute well enough. So it came down to execution. That's what it came down to because we had guys open. We had guys uh, down the field open for big plays. Uh, we either dropped the ball or overthrew it. Um, plays were there to be made. We just we just didn't make them, and um, ultimately it comes down to me and the leadership of this football team, and we didn't finish. That the voice of Gophers football coach P.J. Fleck. No, not the future Florida Gators football coach. Welcome back. Mackie and Judd Show. Darren Doogie Wolfson. Joe What's Schmitz. that? You're not starting that rumor no, already, are you? No. But you know what? You're the first one no, to throw that no, out No, I'm not, there. actually. No, the Florida student paper listed, I don't know, 15 different candidates. They listed P.J. Fleck. There is a 0% <laughs> chance P.J. Fleck is leaving after year one. Yeah, who's going to come after him after his one win in the Big Ten? We need him in Florida? Yeah, there's that too. <laughs> I mean, you're right. It's it's a two way street. Yeah, that yes. would be a tough sell. These <laughs> schools are not coming after PJ Fleck right now. Chip Scoggins, Star Tribune columnist in studio. He covers college football extensively. He was in Iowa City on Saturday for yet another Gophers loss. All right, Chip. Better chance that I don't gain five pounds in the next <laughs> week from eating my kids' Halloween candy, or the Gophers somehow win two more games and become bowl eligible. Um. I think there's probably a better chance they win two more games than you avoid their game. <laughs> no one you, Dukes. Uh No, I mean, Nebraska's obviously not a great team. 
Um, so, and you have them at home. So that's, you know, that should not be one where you say, well, they can't win this one. Um, you'd have to win at Northwestern probably. And I wouldn't pick it, but I don't think it'd be the most outlandish thing. I mean, I, I, you know, going to Michigan and their defense, I think it's going to be really hard for the Gophers this weekend, uh, the way they struggle offensively against that defense. And then Wisconsin, uh, same thing. Their defense is really good. I'm not I'm not crazy about Hornybrook at all. He, he's just had a bad year, but they run the ball well, and it's typical Wisconsin. They're really good defensively. So, I mean, you're going to have to beat Wisconsin and probably Northwestern. You know, the thing, the thing I asked uh, PJ this week was, does he need a signature win for the program this year? And when you look at it, their best chance is probably at Michigan. Because, you know, Michigan has struggled. They got their butts kicked at Penn State. Yeah. They, they didn't dominate Rutgers. I mean, great. They had this great defense, but they're not going to beat Wisconsin. No. But don't you think that this is their best chance? At, at a marquee win? Yeah. Yeah, more, more so than Wisconsin, I would think. But because... Uh, Michigan's offense has been average at best. I mean, if you look at it, I think they're in the 70s nationally uh, in, in total offense. Now they're making a the quarterback switch. They're going to the freshman Peters, and he gave him a spark there in, in when they uh, replaced uh, last week against records. I think he led four scoring drives. So and that's kind of what f- their fans have been clamoring for. They wanted this this kid. So, But it's, you know, it's his first start. We'll see what he does. But defensively, they're really good. I mean, they're fourth in the country number one in the country in third down defense. Don Brown, their 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 defense coordinator is really well respected. He's he's known as Dr. Blitz. I mean when he was at Boston College, they had the number one defense in the country. At Boston College. And in his first year at Michigan they had number one defense. They're number four this year. And so even losing all the players that they lost last year. So it's gonna it's gonna be tough for that gopher offense. Um the way they've struggled. Um they're you know they're going to have to be able to protect Croft and their wide receivers are going to have to be able to get open and make catches. They really let him down at Iowa, just way too many drops. You know Croft had his share of misfires, but then he'd put the ball on the money and their and their guys would drop it. If they do that, they're you know they have no shot of doing anything against this defense. Saturday, I'm with you on the wide receivers. That being said, Chip, I didn't think it was possible for us to see worse quarterback play than what we saw last year. And in many ways, I'm a Leidner apologist. I think many people forget at times, especially early in some of those games, 2014, 2015, not as much last year. Yeah. 2014, 2015, some of the injuries he was playing through, multiple offenses, offensive coordinators, you know, his receivers not helping him Mm. much. You know, K.J. May finds chemistry for a year, then K.J. is gone. Max Williams, chemistry for a year, then Max goes pro early. There was a lot of things that Mitch had to deal with, but I get it. He yeah. stunk last year. Yeah, last year was bad. But I'm yearning for the days of 2016 <laughs> Mitch Leidner. Demi Croft can't do anything. You're yearning for the days of that accurate passer. That that tells you how bad Demery is. <laughs> I'm just I'm not a Demery guy. Yeah. He throws a pretty ball. If you watch him over at the facility, I've seen him. He throws a really pretty ball, but they went max protection a lot on yeah. Saturday. He had many opportunities to make plays. I don't see it with Demry Croft. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, maybe we're thinking, maybe we're being foolish thinking he hasn't played that much. And so this is not unlike a freshman playing his first experience and you're just going to struggle. I mean, they're just that's typically how it is, unless you're a superstar, you know, five-star quarterback, which he was not. And, um, you know, he 
the thing with Demery is uh, you could see some just in, indecisiveness in there. He was like holding on to the ball and waiting for the you know the guy to be completely open. Um, I did like what what uh, Fleck talked about there, where they did have some bootlegs and rollouts. I think he was more comfortable when they do that, and so we'll see if they do that more. He's going to have to because I'm guessing uh, it's going to be tough for the offensive line to protect him this weekend. So he's going to have to use his legs more, and I think he could do it even more. There's a couple times Saturday at Iowa where. You know, he was sitting there, you know, waiting, waiting, waiting in pocket where you're thinking, man, if he could just take off, you know, he would have 10 yards, 15 yards on this scramble. So we'll see if he does that more. I know they don't, you know, they don't want to get him banged up or whatever. Um, but, yeah, there's, I mean, it's it's just he looks like a guy who hasn't played a lot. And there's going to be some inaccurate passing. And uh, But that the thing that's really killed this team more more than anything this year is – both him and Rhoda making turnovers in the red zone. I think they, it's got to be six, seven, eight turnovers. Somebody can probably look it up that inside the 20 where you're costing your team points and they're just not good enough to leave those points on the board. They're just not. I mean, this is not a well oiled machine where if you make a pick or not, don't worry, we'll come back and get a, you know, touchdown. They're just not that at that uh, position. So you wonder, you know, Purdue, Maryland, some of these games that they lost, if they had not had those kind of killer mistakes in the red zone, how that would have affected the game. What about McCrary? Uh, you know, he looked so good two games ago and last game. And what did he have, seven carries last yeah, week? Yeah, it's, it's it's hard, Joe. I mean, you know, when it's just hard when you're trying to juggle three. And right. he's, as much as P.J. talked about, I want to get them all three, well, if Rodney starts getting heated up, then you want to you want to stick with him, and then Shannon's really good in short yardage, and he had a couple nice runs where you're like, okay, let's give him, and so, and then you still have to throw the ball some, and so yeah. you, you start you look at your plays, and they're just not. It, it sounds great that oh, we got three guys and we're going to rotate them, but then when you get in the heat of the game and a guy, one guy starts getting in a rhythm, it's really hard to take him out, and so, um, Flex said earlier this week, I, I, I'm not sure what. Shannon's injury is, I don't know if it's shoulder again, but he he was sort of uh, hedging his bets on whether he'll be available. But um, I would be, I would guess that, that Kobe's going to get more carries this week than he did last week. I mean, I would hope so. I was yeah. told it was actually a neck injury. Or neck, yeah. A few weeks ago. Maybe it's a shoulder now. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what the injury is. I this didn't week. notice I him check. getting banged up there, but it was a night yeah, game. Yeah, I don't remember. It was kind of chaotic. Um, but I, you know, if 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 he's you know, any kind of issue, they obviously have a ton of faith and trust to go to, to Kobe to be, uh, you know, Rodney's backup. The defense is good. I mean, there were questions about Rob Smith. Yeah. I mean, Bielema ran him out of Fayetteville. Mm-hmm. Brett Bielema wanted nothing to do with Rob Smith running that Arkansas defense. There were question marks about Rob Smith. You know, you look at some of the individuals, Carter Coughlin, Thomas Barber. I'm thinking about guys that will be back next year. I mean, certainly yeah. Steve Richardson is a beast inside. They'll lose him. That, that'll be They'll a lose big, him. Yeah. But, I mean, they have some guys coming back on that defense. I mean, they have a chance. That defense yeah. gives them a chance. I mean, heck, I tweeted out on late Saturday night, I thought if the Gophers offense somehow played at a C-minus level, that the Gophers yeah, would have won that yeah. game. And that, and There's your signature win. Forget Nebraska. I don't even know if Michigan is that much of a signature win. Oh, it'd be oh, a They're 15-point yeah, yeah, underdogs. You win the little brown jug in yeah, Michigan. That's Michigan. a signature win. How about you beat Nebraska? What's what about that? Nebraska being a signature win? Nah. Name school, broken chair trophy? No, no, no. Oh, no. please. <laughs> no, don't get me going on these fake trophies. No, no. that that be... Yeah, that that would be it. Would be a signature win. I mean, to me, it's Wisconsin and Iowa. It really is, though. So you had a chance so you don't to count beat Michigan Iowa. as a signature win. 
You know, if you beat Michigan, yes. If you win at the big house, yes. That is a signature. Yeah, remember how many times they won. My point is, beating Nebraska isn't that much different than beating Michigan. Oh, I think so. I, I think oh, I it think is, so. too. I, I would agree, too. It's just it's, the aura. It's, you know, it's it's Harbaugh, it's Michigan, it's the big house. I, you know. Yeah, I do. Um, I want the Iowa win, though. But go, I mean, go, that's yeah. the win. I mean, I'm with you. They're not beating Wisconsin, so if you're giving me a choice, Iowa yeah, and that's or not Michigan, a, give me Iowa. Even if Michigan is the better team, I want the pig. It's not. And give me Floyd. And that is a, that's not a great Iowa team. I mean, no, their, their that's what I'm saying. So if the Gophers offense chip had played at, like, a C level, maybe C minus. Well, you, you get down there twice, but like just, a C level, you would have won the game. We, like, like we were just talking about, fourth and one, they're at the whatever it was. They don't get it. They try the pass. Um, that's missed points, and then you throw the interception at the goal line. That's missed points. I mean, they just can't in a close game, which you know they seem to be in a lot. They you can't give up those points. But go, going back to your point about defense, they they have a lot of parts that I like. Um, that are coming back, and if you add Winfield to that mix, um, they still, you know, there's some of their young guys are they've been forced in action in the secondary, and they've actually done pretty well, um, all things considering. But I, Coughlin, I think eventually you'll see him move back to linebacker once they shore up their uh, their defensive line. But they, you know, Kamal Martin, I think's had a really good year. That's my question. My question too is it going to be exactly that? You got Coughlin playing defensive end. You know he's up against guys seventy pounds heavier than he is. Celestine gets out there too. It's it's yeah. it's pretty amazing that a they do that. Are they doing this out of necessity? Yes. Yeah. So it's totally out of necessity. Yeah, yeah. Because they they coming in the season they had what five six linebackers that you felt comfortable being on the field, and right. so they said. But along the defense line, they did not have that depth. So they said let's go more to like a three four formation. Put uh, Carter Coughlin up there as kind of as a rush in, and he's actually he d- didn't have as big an impact last week as he did the previous two games, but he played really well. Yeah, um, and he was getting better and better. I, I I still think once they get more defense alignment in here, where they have a true two deep, I think you'll see him back by the time his. I don't know if he'll be next year, maybe. But definitely the year after that, uh, you'll see him back at linebacker. It's 9.30 on this Thursday morning on 1500 ESPN, the Mackey and Judd Show. Those guys are on vacation. It's Darren Doogie Wolfson. It's Joe Schmidt from 5 Eyewitness News. Chip Scoggins from the Star Tribune is in studio like he is every Thursday morning. We'll continue the Gophers talk when we come back. Brennan Armstrong, this star quarterback recruit from Ohio, is reopening his recruitment. It doesn't look like he will now play for the Gophers. Also, P.J. Fleck gave the Pioneer Press an interesting quote on Monday, pretty much writing off 2018, maybe even writing off 2019. So we'll get to those two topics when we come back right here on 1500 ESPN. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. I would like to think that they're good. You know, hopefully it'll continue to get better. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Welcome back live and local on 1500 ESPN from the CCL Broadcast Studios. It's the Mackey and Judd Show. Darren Doogie Wolfson, Joe Schmidt from 5 Eyewitness News filling in for Mackey and Judd. Those guys are back. Early next week, Chip Scoggins, Star Tribune columnist, rejoins us in studio. He's in studio every Thursday morning. Okay, Chip, you were over at the U on Monday. So I guess every Monday, PJ Fleck does something with the writers. Us broadcasters are not invited. Yeah. So I'm, not, anyway. I'm not either. I just needed a quote about oh, okay. the, so the, way the, children, the children's wave yeah. at, at, at Iowa. Which, which is, we will get to. Okay, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Let's absolutely get to that. But let me read you this quote that he gave to you. He gave to Andy Grader of the Pioneer Press laying out the next few years. By 19, that being 2019, this is Fleck talking, I will be able to fix the issues, but we will be young. We will be older with some youth, developing depth, creating depth. Then when you hit 20, 2020, that's when you see a spike in, holy cow, they're good. They're deep. 
and they are coming, becoming, I should say, experienced. Wow. Then 21, it's, oh my gosh. Then you start reloading instead of rebuilding. All right, that's the quote. No mention of 2018, so he's pretty much writing off 2018. Yeah. I mean, are you with him that we are multiple years away from them well, even having a chance to win the Big Ten West? I, here's the thing, and he's laid out this plan. He laid it out to Mark Coyle during his interview process. Is like, this is how he did it at Western. This is what he's going to do here. He looked at the roster, saw the the you know the the uh, position groups that need to be addressed this year, next year, blah blah blah. He has the whole plan, and he's made no secret that he they're going to be. Really young at some spots next year. He's going to rely on that 18 and 19 class. But in saying that, there's a couple things. And and Joe just mentioned off the air, and it's it's 100% true. You, they've got to fix the quarterback situation. You've got to figure that. If they can do that. And, and he gets that, by the yeah, way. Yeah, Thankfully, he, he knows. I think anybody would. But yeah, he, he, he fully gets I, that. I mean, they know that, obviously. Um, but look at what they have coming back defensively. Coughlin, Barber, Kamal Martin. Winfield, presumably back. He'll be back. Yeah. And then the, these younger guys, these freshmen that are being forced to play now, Handy Holly, Justice Harris, Umler, along the, the defense end, that's all of a sudden become a starting uh, defense end. So all those guys are going to be back. So defensively, I think they're going to be pretty darn good. Mm-hmm. Um, offensively, Rodney Smith, Shannon Brooks, Tyler Johnson. So it's not like he's waving a white flag. I mean, you have some pretty good players coming back. Um, and let's be honest, the Big Ten West, Ain't that difficult to be, you know, at least average in, and, and and so it's not like you're having to play on the east and play all the big boys every you know every one of them. And so, uh, but I do think is Ohio State comes on the schedule next year. I believe. I believe I think, that I think is accurate. So so yes, his plan is they're going to rely on the eighteen and nineteen classes. They're going to be younger, but I, I think that's people look at him, that as him saying, "Oh, we're just going to punt on the next two years." Well, not when you look at the players they have coming back, the guys that are playing pretty well right now defensively and are going to have another year experience. I mean, Carter Coffin is going to be a junior. Kamal Martin, they're going to have two years of Big Ten experience under their belt. Um, Thomas Barber is playing at a really high level right now. And Mm -hmm. so this is not going to be, or it should not be, an excuse to, you know, win one or two Big Ten games. That's, you know, they have enough talent to, to, now are they going to be better in Wisconsin? Probably not, but you, you can, you definitely compete in the West. I want to get back to the quarterback thing, and and here's my thought. How are you going to be able to recruit a quarterback when you see an offense that throws the ball 12 times a game? You know, I'm wondering if this Armstrong kid who had verbally committed from Ohio has uh, decided to open up his recruiting again because he's kind of looking at this offense and says, I'm not going to be able to play in the NFL throwing 12 times a game. Well, it's funny, Joe, and I think that's, that's a valid Question: If you're a quarterback, and I was, it's funny. I was talking to Royce about this yesterday because we were talking about Hornybrook in Wisconsin. It's like, if you're Wisconsin, how do you get a, a you know, a top tier quarterback to come to your school when you, you know, the formula? <laughs> the formula is not changing. You're not throwing it 50 times. You're not throwing it 40 times. So, um, I don't know. That's that's the sales job that that Fleck has to do. That hey, if you're here, we'll be a little more creative and we'll throw the ball. I'm sure that's what they tell them. Um, but if you're if you're a quarterback and you're watching them and they throw 12 times now you could also look at it and say well that quarterback's like quarterback's not very good so they don't trust him they might trust me and they'll open up the offense but they have to figure out that that position and as i sit here right now i could not tell you who their quarterback's going to be next year 
I, I mean, it might know. be Croft at the start of the year. It's not Seth Green. I have a question on Twitter no. from Ken Roberts. It's no. not Seth Green. If it was Tracy Clays at the coach, yes, it would be Seth Green. Yes. Not with this regime. It's not going to be Seth Green. Tanner Morgan is a P.J. Fleck recruit. Mm-hmm. My knowledge is they view him more as a backup. I mean, not to dismiss the possibility of him making a jump over the next nine months or so, but I have a hard time seeing Tanner Morgan as this team's starting quarterback next year. Truly, the starting quarterback is probably not on the roster. Well, they just made a, an offer to a JUCO kid from California. You that, know, they'll make some other offers. In fact, I know they've made some other offers. It's somebody that's not on the roster right now. Yeah, the the the, the fact that that JUCO kid came out and said he got an offer, that jumps out at you because coaches, when they offer junior college kids, it's with the attention of this guy's coming in to start. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're not. They don't have the time to say, okay, we'll develop him in a couple. You no, know, he's got to come in and play, and so. At least speaks to their uncertainty about what they're going to do next year at that position, whether it's Demery, Tanner Morgan, whatever, that they felt compelled to go off for a junior college quarterback. I got, I've got two questions on, on this Armstrong kid. So he verbally commits to the University of Minnesota. He can't wait to get here. He's buying the row of the boat. He's going to come here in the spring so he can get that extra you know semester. Yeah, I mean, and, he was going to be here in January. Yeah, he was going to come and, and do the, the spring ball and all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. So he backs out. So the question is, A, why did he back out? And number two, when a guy takes his verbal off and says, I'm opening it again, and I still have Minnesota in the picture, does he really mean that? <laughs> I, my experience in having covered it, when a guy reopens it, he doesn't. That's it, that, it, that was exactly done. what I thought, too. Yeah. And, and that's not to say it's 100% that way. Sometimes it doesn't. But my experience is when they say I want to look around, it typically means I want to look around in a different place. I, I don't know the, the inner workings, what, what all's gone there. Um I've covered enough recruiting in my time. It used to drive me crazy uh, when I had to cover it as a beat writer. And so I've heard every excuse under the sun for why things change. I just come back to their 17-year-olds. and Yeah, until this, they sign, it's not it, it, Yeah, I just never. I can't tell you how many stories I wrote or written. Ah, they got this commitment. This is a big deal. And then it doesn't pan out. And so I, I learned that lesson a hundred times, I was like, I'm not doing this anymore. You know, when get back to me on signing day, and then I'll write about who you know who who they have. I'll say this on Armstrong. I think he ends up at Virginia. That's the buzz right now is Virginia. Now, apparently, Ohio State, in-state Ohio State, has made a call. Ohio State has not offered Armstrong, but they made a call. Apparently, he wasn't exactly forthright with Fleck, with others, with the Gophers about who he's been in contact with. So that rubbed the Gophers the wrong way. So I think there's. Put it this way, there's two sides of this story. There's, mm-hmm. It was mutual in many ways. Now, if Armstrong said today, you know what, I screwed up, I want to be a gopher, I'm convinced the gophers would happily take him. He's supposed to visit on December 8th. Do I think he's visiting on December 8th? No. I don't see Brendan Armstrong being a gopher at this point. But I do think the gophers, as they dug more, they discovered more and more things mm. that frustrated them. You know, the gophers have actually been preparing for this for a number of weeks, I'm told. Well, did not catch them completely off guard. Well, and he did have the, the kid had and not knowing about the situation he had at the party, but he was suspended the first three games mm-hmm, for being yeah. at a party where there's alcohol and heat. Now, according to the stories, he said he wasn't drinking. Who who knows? But um, I just I just think knowing Fleck in that position, you have to. I mean, he's already suspended Demi Croft two games this this season. He wants that that position more than anything to be a leader, to be the guy he holds up. And he just has to trust that this is the guy who's going to be all in on his message and and 
his vision for that program. And while if you read the tea leaves, the fact they out- offered a JUCO quarterback the job, I mean that. So I mean a, a scholarship mm-hmm. that kind of tells you that two weeks ago they said we better start looking at Plan B pretty dang hard. Correct. Yeah. Now let me ask you both this. All right, I get it that maybe Armstrong looked at this offense and said, yeah, twelve times. I don't like this offense. But can't Fleck and Sharaka fall back on what they did at Western Michigan? 100%. 100%. With the kid that had a chance to be an NFL player, Zach. Yeah, I can't remember his last name. Terrell. Terrell. Terrell, I don't know how you pronounce his last name. But he had a chance to maybe be a draft pick. Now, he didn't end up, I don't think, in anybody's camp. But, I mean, he had a really good collegiate career. Corey Davis, wide receiver. Yeah. First round pick. Top five pick, right? I mean, that's that's what Fleck and Sharaka are selling these quarterbacks. Look at what we did at Western Michigan. 100%. I This is not the offense they want to run, and I can't tell you how many times uh-huh. I've heard Fleck in the last three weeks say, we have to keep shrinking, keep shrinking, keep shrinking to fit whatever these guys can do. And so this is not what they want their offense to be. They want it to be more balanced and, and be able to throw the ball, but you just have to look at their personnel, whether it's quarterback or wide receivers or offensive line being on a pass block. They're just not able to do everything they want to do yet. All right, let's do this. Let's get to the – there's a biasness, but I think it's the best tradition in college football right mm-hmm. now. What takes place after the first quarter in Iowa City. Chip Scoggins wrote about it. He was in Iowa City on Saturday. We'll discuss that next. It's Darren Doogie Wolfson. It's Joe Schmidt. We're in for Mackie and Judd. It's 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd are back. Are you ready to kick it up? On 1500 ESPN. WWE 2K18 is out now. WWE 2K18 takes you backstage in the ring and into the fight like never before. Brawl online, fight with rivals backstage in the ring, in the crowd, or anywhere. Play the most complete WWE game yet. WWE 2K18 from 2K. Get it now on all major platforms. Rated T for Teen. And you can enter to win your very own copy right now on the 1500 ESPN stream player. Lou Nanny is 10 minutes away. Darren Doogie Wolfson, Joe Schmidt in from Mackie and Judd on this Thursday, the 2nd of November. Chip Scoggins in studio for another segment. We'll get to the tradition that Chip saw firsthand Saturday in Iowa City in a second, but we have a phone call. It is Steve. Steve, welcome to the Mackie and Judd Show. You're on with Doogie, Joe, and Chip. Hey, good morning, guys. How you doing? Good, Steve. How you doing? Doing really good. Sitting here, very much enjoying listening to the three of you. Um, talk about go for football. I just had a question for all three of you. This is, um, as a Big Ten fan and Gopher fan, this is highly frustrating and disappointing to, you know, kind of listen to P.J. Fleck basically write off this year and the next two years. Well, we're going to get a whole lot younger before we get better and la-di-da and so on and so forth. Gentlemen, he had one really good year at Western Michigan, his last one. Um, How do the three of you really think Fleck uh, stacks up against his Big Ten brethren, the Urban Myers, the Jim Harbaugh's, the James Franklin's? Um, Gosh darn it, this hyper manic coach of ours yes he's got a lot of energy but we still don't know with certainty gentlemen if if this boy can coach in the big 10 or not he has one win and um let's contrast this fleck with look at tracy clay's last year a man with zero head coaching experience just comes in works hard 
gee, um, chips out a nine and four record with a bowl game for a man with no experience. All right, thanks, Steve. I mean, <laughs> Steve was going to take over the talk show there. I think we got the point. I would yeah. say the roster is significantly different this year. Yes. I mean, think about it. I mean, heck, P.J. Fleck would have used Ray Buford, Keontae Hardin. I get why those guys were kicked out of school. Yeah. He could have used Galen Elmore. It's inevitable when a new coach comes in there. Demarius Travis. You think about the guys Jaylen. that yeah went pro. Demarius Travis, Jalen Myrick. You know, Jonah Persig went to camp with Tennessee. Go up and down the list. Yeah. Drew Altarski was a good wide receiver last year. So they lost a lot of guys from last year. I still believe in Fleck. I get it. It's going to take time, Chip, but I'm a Fleck guy. I like him. I, I, I And I've said this all along. We know he can coach because you don't go to the Cotton Bowl and you don't go 13-0 by accident or just by luck. It doesn't happen. You don't go from one win to 13 wins if you can't coach. But can he win here? That we don't know. That we don't know. And we won't know that for three years. Now you're asking me, does he stack up with Urban Meyer? Well, no. You don't have to. <laughs> you know you're I mean? not in the Big Ten East. Who yeah. cares about exactly. Urban Meyer? No, I mean, let him. I know it's hard, and I'm frustrated with the Purdue loss was bad. And I thought this team would win. I thought they'd go 7-5 and five this year. They're not going to get there, I don't yeah, think. Yeah, me too. Yeah, no um, The Purdue loss, you can't lose that game. You had that one won. Iowa, that's a winnable game. They're just making these killer mistakes. But I'm also uh, going to say... Let's give them a couple years to see where this thing's at. You just can't constantly keep changing. And I see these things like, all right, they got to get rid of him. This is not working. It's like, he's coached eight games. This turning over coaches year after year, every two years, it it doesn't work. P.J. Fleck is smart enough to realize the Bud Grant philosophy of being a head coach. Don't win too early. That's exactly (laughs) what, that's that's what Bud Grant, that's the advice he gave to Mike Zimmer. But there's some truth to it. If P.J. comes and wins nine games but realizes he's got to reshuffle the deck, and that's exactly what he's doing right now, He's he figures they almost have to bottom up before he can build, and I'm not going to use the word culture. I'm going to say build the talent. Yeah. But where P.J. can make a difference is he can follow Urban Meyer or Jim Harbaugh into a kid's living room and have a chance. Yeah. And I don't believe that Tracy Clay's had a chance if he followed those guys in the living room. And I'm talking about the living room of parents, talking to the parents. PJ, there are people who are going to totally buy into the row the boat thing, the building character, all these kinds of things, and there are people who are going to think it's a bunch of baloney. Yeah, but he only has to win a few of them that buy into yes, yes, yes. Yeah, and one last quick thing. I mean, we, we, a year and a half ago, or eighteen months ago, we most people were ready to run Richard Pitino out of town. Doesn't know what he's doing. He's you know he's sinking this program. Just have a little patience and he, look what he's done with that program. He can coach, obviously. And so I'm not saying the same thing's going to happen with Fleck, but it takes more than one year to know if a guy can win at a place, and particularly this place. And so check back in three years, and I'll I'll tell you more what I think, how he stacks up in the Big Ten. That is really hard, though. I, that it's hard. Word, I know patience, it's hard. I know especially it's hard. for Gophers fans. I know it's hard. Gophers football fans do not have patience. All right, Chip, yep. give me 30 seconds on the tradition you saw in Iowa City on Saturday. Yeah, at the end of the first quarter, I think a lot of people have heard and read about it. Um, the, the Children's Hospital is right up above the uh, – the stadium there at, at Kinnick, and at the end of the first quarter, everybody in the stadium turns and waves uh, to the children up there. And, and uh, to see it on TV is emotional. To be there and see those kids' faces through binoculars um, is just uh, very powerful. To me, it's the best tradition in college football. Well done, Iowa. And well done, Gophers. And I mean, well how about Gophers. them? What, I don't know who the idea was, yeah, but it was the, the whole team taking the field, right? The whole, whole team ran out to the hash marks so they could see all the floors, not just the top, and they waved and smiled, and just a, a really 
classy move by uh, Fleck and his players. I, I can't believe you're not mentioning the broken chair or the governor's trophy as some <laughs> of the great right. traditions. I mean, just right. come, on, come on now. The governor's <laughs> mail, yeah. yeah. And the other great tradition, of course, it was the mayor's trophy down in spring training between Boston and, and <laughs> That's right. That's the right. Twins. That's right. <laughs> Chip, thank you. All right, thanks for having me. Yeah. All right, Mackie and Judd Show, Darren Doogie Wolfson, Joe Schmidt. After a quick break, Lou Nanny with a little wild, and I suppose we can get to Gophers hockey as well.